0: we everybody! Welcome back for another episode of on Tilt. Um Julius here with Miss Danielle, Mama Brown. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful, Julius. How are you? And how was your birthday? The last
0: couple of days. It was good. Uh 38. Great. It's great to be 38. Uh, my mom always asks me every year. She says, "Do you feel any older, son?" And I would always say, "No, nah, I don't." I don't, but this year it is not that I feel older. It's just a different vibe, 38. I'm like, that's almost 40. Yeah. And I know that I still got a lot of light ahead of me, but it, I'm at that point where I'm like, am I where I want to be in like, like, have I, have I accomplished and fulfilled the things that I want to fulfill? And, you know, I tried to ask myself that question differently. So it's not so much in my, my where I want to be, but more of being content with where I am, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and not, not being like, I got to have this, 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 this in order to be happy. So now I'm focused, I want to focus on like gratitude and being content and just being joyful with what I got and where I am.
1: Absolutely. Being intentional, you know, my thing, grace and mercy, we must give it to ourselves all the time, you know. And that helps us to, you know, embrace the older we get, you know, I mean, I remember my forties and it was fun, you know, it was fun. I'm, I'm, I'm only shy a few months of being in the 40s. <laughs> but it was fun, you know, and you know, what, what they say is, as, as wine age, it gets better, right? So, well, you know, get better in time, Julius. Embrace. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I receive it. I receive it. So, uh, we got an amazing show today, but before we get started, like we always do, we're going to take a moment of silence just to honor those who aren't with us today. So please join us.
1: All right, welcome back, y'all.
0: So, Mr. Yell, we got an interesting show topic for today. Uh, We are still in the midst of Minority Mental Health Month, about halfway through now. And if you've been paying attention to the news lately, you've been seeing a lot of Black athletes who have been coming out, talking about mental health, raising mental health awareness. Um, But not everybody is embracing their struggles and their challenges, whether it be the media, fans, uh, family members, not everybody is in support of these folks who are constantly being demanded to perform at at, at a high level Absolutely. or main stage. They're not really getting everybody welcoming them with open arms with this this topic. So want to talk about that. We got uh, more recently Richard Sherman in the news for some mental health struggles. Uh, shikari richardson obviously some of the things she's been experiencing uh naomi osaka as well so we got some some prominent world-renowned black athletes that are that are experiencing some mental health stuff so um, and
1: let to even mention we got one more who is noted Dwayne Haskins. you know we can throw him in the ring as of just a few days ago
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if It's impacting people directly, indirectly. So first, let's let's talk about um, Naomi Osaka first. Um, Hers was a a little bit before some of the others, but Naomi Osaka. For those who who uh, are not too familiar with her, she is. um, She was basically saying that you know she didn't want to do the 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 media uh, engagements, right? She was like, "I'm I'm I get a lot of anxiety. I get nervous with these media." um engagements constantly being in front of the camera and she just didn't want to want to participate and uh you know the powers that be were basically saying like you know look this is this is a part of of your job right you they always say you get paid so much money to perform and this is what you do right when when, when we asked you to jump we need you You to jump. jump when we asked you to do this we need you to do it we don't care what you're dealing with and what you're going through, right? You see some fans, there were a few that, I, I saw her getting a lot of support. A lot of people saying more power to you, Naomi, we we support you, take the time you need to focus on your mental health and wellness. Uh, but there were people that were saying, you know, you you get paid millions upon millions of dollars. So if the media wants to interview you, then that's what you need to do. So uh, what what do you think about black, athletes and them talking up more about their their mental health needs and and what they're going through right now
1: well first i'm proud that she spoke about it you know and that she made it known hey look doing media engagements brings me anxieties we know that anxieties is a mental health um issue you know and not a lot of people do well in front of the camera and so the fact that she was bold enough and had the courage to speak on it and not just you know decline interviews she gave us what she necessarily did not have to give us and that is a reason our job is to respect that reason that's the problem we need to ask ourselves as as fans we need to ask ourselves as viewers We need to ask ourselves just as human beings, why do we have a hard time respecting people? Because they are some people forced into the limelight. And why do we feel they owe us anything other than sharing their gifts and talents with us? Mm -hmm. Kudos to Naomi. Kudos to Naomi and... You know, I, I do see both sides. I do. You know, there's, you know, endorsement and money involved and fan base. You know, there is this term, give the people what they want. But at what cost you?
0: Mm. Listen, wow. Somebody commented I don't know, on my, it, <laughs> let me be clear. I'm not trying to compare myself to a world-class athlete, but I think there's some similarities in, 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 points of connectivity when it comes to activism in community work, particularly for black folks. Somebody commented on my Facebook the other day and they were like, you know, something to the effect of like the community needs you, right? Like, like, like I can't take time off. I can't rest. I can't relax because the community needs the work that we're doing so much. Right now for me. I understand what this person was trying to say. They were saying, Hey brother, like we need you keep, keep doing the work that your team is doing. It's appreciated and needed. But the way I could receive it and did receive it was that's added pressure. Like, what if, what if I just want to chill for a minute, I want to rest for a minute. Right. Um, and I, I think right with this, you said, how did you put it, um, what is it what comes to be expected of black athletes, right? Um, athletes in general, but black athletes, it's like there's this perception of just like to just shut up and play kind of thing. You know, LeBron has talked about it a lot. And so that boggles my mind sometimes that people are just like, you're an athlete, you get paid all this money and you need to just perform. Like you need to just do do what you do and uh, get paid for it in in this entertainment. But- they are human beings before it, before they're athletes. And
1: then are they, are they being treated as human beings or are they being treated as puppets? You know, are they being enslaved to the media, you know, um, whole cycle, you know, is it that they're, I guess one would call it their soul, you know, that, you know, their whole privacy and who they are as, as a person comes second to what is expected to them when the lights, camera, and the word action happens.
0: Yeah. so speak-
1: They want that money. And they're like, if you want the money, we need our money.
0: Yes. Yes. And spe- speaking of lights, camera, action, we have uh, um, just a brief trailer. Uh, it has not come out yet. Naomi Osaka is, is coming out. Uh, with a documentary, I believe some kind of short film is coming out. Um, tomorrow, I believe, um, we just have a, just a very short trailer and she talks a little bit about, um, you know, her mental health and wellness journey and just the pressure, um, of being an athlete. I I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, it's a very short clip, but this will just kind of give us a little bit of a better, uh, idea. Uh, of work, what she's dealing with and kind of how she got to the point she's at today. So, John, whenever you're ready to pull that up for us, we appreciate it.
1: No one really knows all the sacrifices that you made. Just to be good. Before I went you so bad. So many people told my dad that I would never be anything.
0: No, she was like an overnight superstar. And I think that pressure weighed heavily on her.
1: I think the amount of attention that I get is kind of ridiculous. No one prepares me for that. I don't know. I feel like I'm struggling.
0: She's young. Everyone has an opinion. Her sponsors, her family, Social media, you want to add in like another million people?
1: Growing up, all I was thinking is like, I want my mom to like be happy. I want her to stop working. She would work overtime. She would sleep in her car. And for me, that was my whole point of playing tennis. <laughs> my dad's always been proud of where he comes from. When I read in hard situations, he's always told me my ancestors were off a ship for like 40 days. I use that as a strength. I always had this pressure to maintain the squeaky image. But now I don't care what anyone has to say. None of these deaths have to happen, and I just want everyone to know the names.
0: We learn everything deep in by itself. is the best we can do for
1: our community, for our kids. For so long, i tied winning to my worth as a person, to anyone that would know, know me through I'm exploring. So like, what am I, I thought, i like a good
0: tennis
1: player. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I gave you a... you right. Huh? She bad. Yeah. It, wow. Where do you start with that? Where do we start?
1: Dude, we got other to people to cover, but I literally we could stay this whole show on her. Mm. She that's how that's how powerful she is and beautiful girl is gorgeous.
0: Nothing. Did it come up for you seeing that that little trailer?
1: The dad. Mm. It seemed like with tennis players, and I know one a dad right now that inspiring his daughter to get to those levels. Actually, I know two dads right now. And it seems like when it comes to tennis players, like Venus and Serena, the father figure, the African-American father figure or African, you know, I don't want to group them in the Americanism, but it seems like they're the backbone when it comes to looking at these prominent tennis players. They're present. But what I love about the dad. Was he included her ancestors in her mental health journey? Because, you know, as Black people, we suffer from a lot of mental health issues that dates beyond our existence. And so it's powerful. I often talk to my ancestors, I know the power of including your ancestors in a journey mentally, you know. So that really struck I mean a lot of things stuck out to me but that by far was incredible. What about you, Juliet?
0: Yeah, I, I would say when she said she attaches her her work to winning. And that to me was just like so powerful and resonated with me because you know in that we talked about this many times, Miss Danielle, like the work and you get so absorbed in, in your your passion and your vision in, in honoring, you know, the legacy of of your loved ones that you can almost like, it's it's hard to differentiate you from like the work and they are like one in the same, but you know, you need to have some kind of like separation in your, in your, your personal self-worth is not contingent upon what you're doing with your passion. Like you, you're passionate about a vision or a mission or doing a certain type of work in honor of something. But if it's not going the way that you want it to go, it doesn't mean that you're less of a person or less of a human. And to me, I, I that's kind of how I interpreted what she was saying. Like she even said, if I'm not playing tennis, then who am I, right? Um, uh, so that, that struck a chord with me and she said she just wanted to do something for, for her mom, right? It was like, I'm looking at my gifts and my talents as a way to help my, my immediate family and my mom get to a better lot in life, like a better place, uh, economically and, and, and financially and emotionally. So it wasn't, it, it was, it was the gift and the passion for her. But then she started to see like, oh, I can leverage my talents as a way to support my family. And when you, that's a whole different kind of pressure, right? So now you start feeling the weight and the obligation. Like, So it's not just your gifts and and your talents now. Now you have like a different level of expectation that come along with your gifts and your talents. Like that,
1: oh, that just hit me like a ton of. Ricks right now. <laughs> oh my it, it goodness. Should, it really should because she's young and, you know, her work ethic, not only for her talents and her strength and what she actually performed on the court, but her work ethic business wise. She said, I have to go to work. My family needs to eat. This is a job for me. You know, I now. It brings me to this point, as an incredible player as she is, as passionate as she had shown us on the court, you know, even during some of the situations where you saw where she threw the towel over her head and like, let me just check out for a second. As passionate as she is, sometimes I wonder, see, can, can you have passion for something and not enjoy it?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So I wonder if this is work, if she had passion for her job, but maybe not really enjoying the journey. Mm. I want, sometimes I get a sense when, and I think about um Simone, the gymnast, when they're pushed so hard in these areas, do they, check out of the self-gratification part. Does that kind of be put on a shelf into maybe later in life when they get to look back and reflect? Because I often listen to them later on in life, a lot of athletes who reflect back on their career, like the Michael Jordans and the Magic Johnsons and um, uh, uh, just numerous of people. The skater uh, was another skater before Simone. No, not skater. I forgot the other skater name, but anyway, I listen to them all the time. And one of the things they talk about is they even look at themselves in in awe because they don't even know who that woman or that person, that man is at that time because they're on such a, ha- a high volume, you know, of of living. You know that they, they don't have time to really just sit with themselves until later on in life when they're able to reflect and they like, wow, I did that? That's me? Oh, I was a whole different person. You always hear them say, I was a whole different person. So it only seems like they come into themselves later on in life. But right now it's grind. It's straight up grind and just giving it all they had without really being personally personally connected, did that make
0: sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent I think that I, I can't help but just draw these and these comparisons and reflect on my own journey. um i will I will always have a love and a passion and a deep appreciation for 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 black mental health work for the work. It's, 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 soul work. It's a, it's a ministry for me, right? And I have conversations with God 25 times a day about, am, am I in, am I walking in, in the call? Am I walking in the spirit? Am I walking in, in the ministry that God would have for me to fulfill? And I can't help, but reflect on five and a half years ago, uh, when, or four and a half years ago, when I was walking around Northview Heights or the Hill district or, uh, Wilkinsburg and Hollywood and sitting down with people at like liquor stores and bus stops and being like with black folks. Like you want to talk to me about mental health for like 20 minutes and just being in that like organic wrong space with people. And they're like, yeah, I'll talk to you about mental health for 10 minutes and then an hour later, you know, we talked about everything to where now, you know, I'm I'm in the neighborhoods. I'm with like our groups of, of folks, but those like super, super intimate conversations from, from the beginning, um, that's a that's a distant memory. So there are points in time where today in my current role where I'm like, man, it would just, I need to just get up and go do that. I need to just get up and go tap into that, that piece of, cause I, know, I'm, I'm saying this, Ms. Danielle to connect that dot of like, I think all of us get to a point where you could, you could be performing at such a high level and it's like, um, uh, What's the word? You don't even, you, you don't, you don't even have to like do it. It's just, you just become accustomed to doing it. But just because you're performing at such a high level, it doesn't mean that your heart is in it the way that your heart used to be in it. But people on the outside may not notice that because they're like, you're per- you're performing at such a high level and they're just like keep performing, keep performing, keep performing. So I imagine that a lot of athletes, I mean, you said Jordan. Jordan got to a point where he was like, I'm going to play baseball. Like, what? After, yeah. it, right. what after uh three championship rings, right? This is the first half of it, the six rings, he's like, I'm gonna go play baseball. And people are like, is this dude out of his mind?
1: He wasn't the pressure of it. But look, like, they they eat him for hell though. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he 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 got
0: his money, and he was still, he was still Michael Jordan in in, in baseball, right? Minor league uh, baseball. I don't know if he if he actually went to the majors, but um, I watched the uh the last dance, the documentary on on the Bulls and him on Netflix, and he was just seeing how like it got to a point where his heart was like, I don't want to do this no more, but then he but then he came back. Right, you had three rings after
1: that. Like what? So it it is to your point that when you operate on such a high level like that, you know you can get to a place where you know is it's a part of. I mean, that's just what you do. You know, you can with your eyes closed. You're that good. You don't have to put the heart in it. You're talented. You're skilled. That's a skill
0: that he has. Jordan was a, uh, he worked. He was like, yeah. either, I know he used to ride his, ride his, uh, his, his, his colleagues, his teammates, um, you know, trying to push them harder. But yeah, that's, you know, you get to a certain point where, and it's, people start to expect greatness from you and nobody is, nobody operates at optimum, Performance all the time,
1: okay.
0: right? So what happens when people, when when hundreds of thousands of people are expecting you to de- to deliver the normal greatness in, in your off that night, right? If we're often often Jordan's world means losing the championship, often our world means might mean life or death. Yeah,
1: you know I follow um I follow Serena. On social media, and in one of her postings, she spoke about motherhood and how you know going from high level tennis performer to motherhood and spending time with her daughter, how that has even affected her her playing time her her workout time, you know her performance, all of that. Now she still is 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 dynamite, but you do see a little difference in the Serena prior to motherhood to the Serena post-motherhood. There is a difference. You you can see a shift. And she spoke about that shift. And, but as as a um fan, I see the shift. I really do see the shift,
0: and you're saying in, in her actual performance, yeah, on a high level, right? And so we just break. It
1: could be age, but I didn't want to say nothing about age. <laughs> it,
0: it, it, however, we want to want to break it down. If it's age, if it's priority, priorities, right? You have a child that you just birth. Is it? Is it the the changes that your body? as a human and as a woman are going through, uh, is it psychological? Was there postpartum depression? You know, like, I mean, it's dozens of things that she, she, she was probably going through, but a fan is like, I need you to perform. Like I need you to entertain me. Right. And it's like, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a sister, I'm a cousin, I'm a daughter, I'm, a wife. I'm a, a wife. All you want me to do is perform. So, right. uh, I mean, this is a whole nother uh, episode, but now they, uh, athletes, college athletes had the ability to earn money off of their likeness in image. Some of them. Some of them, it's not all
1: of them. No. What happens is, depending on what level of play in the school is whether you actually earn income or you earn incentives like books, vouchers, you know, little incentives. Like some college athletes are on partial scholarship. So you won't get what a person who's on a full scholarship, even though it both is ran by NCAA. Um. Um. So N. Yeah, NCAA. Yeah. So, you know, it depends. It's. It's not. It's not official across the board. There's a lot of little. Um. Little details that are involved that you criteria that you have to meet, and so it's not across the board. The school is not making millions and millions of dollars off of you. There's no cash incentive. Especially if you're already there on scholarship, partial scholarship. So it's only for those players who most likely have, you know, like Ohio State would have, you know, my my Damascus Stag that I love, Chase Young would have Young across the jersey. That jersey is going to sell big time at Ohio State. And not only that, Chase Young is when he was there demanded, you know, um, a lot of fans, participation, viewership, support, you know, so they bought, he bought a lot of money. Now, the guy that's sitting on the bench that's on the practice team, he may not get that incentive. Now yeah. think about,
0: I'm, I'm just thinking about how this factors into the mental health and wellness of young Black and young minority athletes. Right now you hear this big announcement and now you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I don't necessarily have to wait to get to the league to make some money. Now I can make some money at the collegiate level. And to me that when you were describing that, it made me think of like a sales job, like meaning like the, like you, you get paid for your performance right? Like when you work for a for-profit and you work, you do sales, um, you get commission. It's like, Hey, if you go out here and you close these deals and you perform at a high level, you can make X amount of money. And now I'm just thinking about, so there's, that has upside for athletes to say, all right, work harder, work harder, work harder. And if you perform in your generating more revenue for this, this institution, right? It's the instant, let's be clear. The institutions are the institution of the NCAA is still in charge. They're still up, but they just said, well, go, go out and just do whatever you want. Somebody is manufacturing them jerseys and they are getting a profit. Somebody is hosting these events and they're getting a profit. It, it, it ain't just the athletes are getting all a hundred percent of the, the, the commission or the, you know. So,
1: so many hands. Yeah, actually, reach that, reach the athlete who's doing the most, who is the reason for the whole. I can make it rhyme. Who's the reason for the season?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Reason for the season, yes.
1: So, I mean,
0: again, to me, I see this has tremendous upside because now it's like, all right, there's there's equity, there's more uh, ownership, partial ownership in this process for. Younger athletes, I see the dangers of it too. It's like so now. If I'm a gym rat and I'm going super hard, but I'm just not. But then coach has me on the bench. But I know I'm. A, I'm. I could perform. I'm like coach. Now you're not just messing with my play time. Now you're messing with my money. Now I can't even get on the field to perform to show that I can make money from you know whatever endorsements or book signings or autograph signings because you're not you're not putting me in. You got whatever. Maybe you got Johnny uh white white boy Johnny Smith who, you know, you got a good relationship with his family or whatever, and you just keep keep putting him in a starter position. So that he just yeah. in
1: you know, high school recruitment huh? went into college. Now you can bargain and say, I'll get you that car to the day. And I'm just saying, but you know, that happens off record. It's not supposed to, but I wonder how all of this is going to affect the let, let's try to get him to come to our school recruitment, you know, cause coming out of high school already, you know, Chase had a big name coming out of the math, the Catholic high school had a big name, heavenly recruited. So, you know, and we all remember the situation that happened, you know, behind the scene, um, with with some alleged allegation. And I'm so he but that just shows how awesome Chase is to be able to handle that. We had admitted some games at Ohio State and still be able to 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 be up for the Heisman Trophy. And still be able to be what number, he was the second pick in overall round. Overall so, again, it's a testament how some of these kids have gone through, you know, the Valley the experience. And yet, maintain a good disposition of themselves, just good attitude, and still had to perform. You know how mentally that's crazy is to miss games, worried about you. Chase had to be worried about his career and how this was going to affect him mentally, you know, with with getting the Heisman Trophy. So to your point, yeah, it's the athletes go through a lot mentally. And I wish they would share that journey more with us that side. I don't think enough of them do. We're only talking about a small handful of people here. A lot of times when we hear about an athlete's mental health, it's when we hear about um, Rashad Sherman. Richard Sherman.
0: Richard Sherman. Sherman.
1: Um, Richard Sherman. I'm sorry. Everybody know I love sports, but hey, I get my names confused because I follow players. I don't follow teams. So that's a lot of players I got in my head right now, but Richard Sherman, I, I'm thinking about. You know how did we learn about his situation? Now he has a 10 year career. If I remember, he played with the Seahawks for almost seven years or seven seasons. I oh, only not let me talk years, seasons, and then he was, then he was a free agent, and went to uh, the 49. Forty nine years, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. So, yeah. um, he, I, if I recall, he may have been there with them for two or three seasons. I forget. Um, but seasons, a... three seasons. So overall, ten. We're talking about ten seasons, and we find out about his mental health through media in a negative light, when it could have been something that could have been sparked by CTE concussions. But but the league doesn't share that with us and the players don't because why? You need that playing time and you need those dollars and you need to perform and you need your fans. Mm. So we're not as transparent as we should be when it comes to athletes and mental health.
0: Mm. Yeah, you, you bring up Richard uh, Sherman. So I pulled up the, uh, this is from ESPN. Uh, eight thirty this morning. So it says Richard Sherman was intoxicated and threatened to kill himself during a confrontation with family members before his arrest early Wednesday in a Seattle suburb, according to a nine one one caller who identified herself as the free agent cornerback's wife. Huh? Audio of the nine one one call, believed to be made by Sherman's wife, was obtained by uh, ABC News and ESPN at early Thursday. The caller described Sherman as being drunk and belligerent, and said he was threatening to kill himself. Uh, and then this is this is this is important as well. The caller identified herself, and said he was being aggressive, wrestled with her with her uncle, and sent text messages to people saying he was going to to die by suicide. So the the, so many things that jump out to me there. One is that he's a free agent. So now he's thinking, who 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 am I? Where am I going to be? Is somebody going to sign me? How am I going to provide for myself and for my family? Right, because now his identity has been wrapped up in being a high performing athlete for most of his life. And now he's wrestling with that being that not being the thing. Maybe somebody doesn't sign him, right? I'm not saying that was the the the, the trigger for this thing. I imagine that it probably has something to do with it. Now right he's he's not he's a free agent. He's not working out with the team. He probably got way more free less structure and more free time on his hands. He's probably going to places that he wasn't going before. Now he's drinking and, you know, like he has that added pressure. And I also agree with you, Miss Danielle about that, that kind of stuff should not be coming out in the media. If he is having that level of mental health challenges, like how, how can we, how can those things be resolved behind, behind closed doors?
1: And why did they have, look, why did they, for the, for the mother, for the women, why did they have to be so detailed about what the wife, you know, provided? You know, why would that focus heavenly on?
0: Well, I think, um, and I didn't, even, I was trying to get to this point in the article, but it didn't come up. Um, at one point during the call, she asked the dispatcher to tell the police, "Please don't shoot," and said Sherman told her he would fight police if they arrived.
1: That was very that's that's the that's the part I thought I heard, but I wasn't sure. Thank God you have the article because you know that was very powerful for her to <laughs> do. Let me. This this is.
0: I didn't know all this. Let's, this is this last piece, and we can we can talk about it. He is facing several charges after authorities said he crashed his SUV in a construction zone, tried to break into his in-law's home, and then fought with officers who used a police dog to apprehend him. Uh, it says that is a standard procedure for suspects of domestic violence until they can appear before a judge. Um, He was, he was denied bail. He was booked early Wednesday at King County Correctional Facility in in Seattle and denied bail. So there, there are some domestic violence and domestic abuse considerations here too. What did he actually physically or and or emotionally abuse or harm his wife in the midst of all of this, right? So he has the His wife is trying to keep him alive so that he doesn't get shot or killed by the police. He's have he's intoxicated. He's having a mental health, what appears to be a mental health crisis. There's some kind of domestic violence going on, but she's, it sounds like she's still trying to protect him, still trying to like, make sure he's good.
1: I disagree.
0: Now, how did, you, how did you interpret it?
1: I think, I think that there in this situation, um, she was trying to say that, or, or maybe to your point, maybe this is not a disagreement, maybe it, just to your point, she made it very clear that, or maybe she was detailed because she wanted them to know that the balance wasn't against her. Because she knows she may did not she may had assumed that if she didn't make it clear that her brother was wrestling her uncle was wrestling with him and the in laws that if she would have interjected herself into any of this then it would have looked really really bad for her, for him when it comes to domestic violence but a lot of people don't understand I think the fact that It it doesn't have to involve the woman. It's domestic violence that you can get kicked out. They have very strict rules in the NFL when it comes to um, domestic violence. And so it doesn't matter if it's just the wife. The fact that he was wrestling with the uncle could be viewed a little sketchy as domestic violence. And then the in-laws could be as well. But I think, her tipping them off is saying to them, look, more importantly, whatever you do, don't come here with guns ready to kill him like you all been doing in social media or on media, period. Don't do that in this situation. And I think that may have helped. I think that's the reason why the dogs were you or less aggressive measures. But the problem I have with that is the word standard procedures. Because now we're talking about the fluent. Because this, again, appears, we talked about this on other shows, it appears that the measure of of police response the black community received depends on where you are on the totem pole. Had this been any one of us, guns would have been raised, we might have been shot. All that he did, took a car, ran the car, crashed the car, wrestled with the uncle, breaking in-in-law's house and in a whole another location in, in 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 town or whatever. That was a lot. But who is he? Richard Sherman.
0: Mm. Now, it, I was going to say, we talked about uh, does status protect you as a as a as a black athlete and black person does that status keep you alive yes i think in the, in this instance i think it did yes. now i'm wondering if you remove the status and you just have whatever richard smith and and his lady and his lady calling it's all things the same. She says, please, he's having a mental health crisis. Please don't come drawing guns. Are the cops responding to this this uh, domestic violence situation, this mental health crisis situation, uh, intoxicated? Are they responding the same way?
1: Well, we got enough examples where calls have been made. I mean, recent, um, I, I forget his name. We just talked about him not too long ago where he came out with his hands up, out of his home. uh, Give him for him, can't think of his name. Um, But he came out of his home, hands up, raised. They knew he was, the family called the police and said, he's having my husband, my father. He was shot in front of his family. Uh, It's having a mental health crisis. And yet the police still responded negatively. So we have enough examples and media that shows us that if you're just regular Joe from a regular part of the town and regular society, you're not gonna get that type of treatment. But if you are a noted athlete, a noted um star, you know, um you gonna get a politician, political figure, whatever. If you know that, if you're known, and you have status, they will bring the dogs. And you know what happens with dogs? Dogs can bark, but they have control and they're controlled to command. So they won't bite you too hard. They're just gonna scare you to death and make you sit down and lay down and lay still for them to apprehend you.
0: And I still, I still think that's a cruel measure to use. I still think there's, uh, do do your job, do do some, co- uh, uh, crisis management. You know, do 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 that. But um, I what we we coming up on our ten minute mark, and I want to make sure we do have a chance to talk about uh Shakar. Yes, Char- uh, Rich about her. Yeah, and her for for everybody who doesn't know, um, she is a uh the uh, 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 phenom, um, um, a track, just world-renowned superstar. Um, I believe she, uh, um, is she still at LSU? I don't know if she if she finished her time up. But anyway, she was competing at the Olympics no more time. and ended up testing positive for weed in her system, and was basically told that she could not compete. I think she'll be able to to come back at a certain point, but there are some significant uh, Olympic uh, events, competitions that she could not compete in. And this was right after she had like, you know, made one of the, the, the best performances of all time. Right. And they showed me a video of her afterwards, running up to embrace her grandma. So you just see, everybody knows that hug from grandma, right? We we knew what that was. and. She is um, now being, I don't even know what the word is. Like the media, right. Is playing that, uh, that card of, well, no, she knew the rules, you know, she, I think she's like, what, 20 years old or something like that. She knew the rules. Why was she smoking? And meanwhile, she had just lost, I believe, was it her mother? I think her, uh, I think it was her mother had just passed away. Um, so she was probably trying to cope with a lot of grief a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety stress yeah the people were just like no she knows the rules um she smoked she she shouldn't have done it like so what what do you think about that with with a black young black athlete like shikari who's performing on a, on a, on the world stage at a high level smoke some weed and now she's being ostracized for my son. There are a lot of people who are supporting her, but there are some that are she shouldn't be smoking. She shouldn't be allowed to compete.
1: You know, I've been following this um for a little bit, and a lot of the naysayers are those that are giving her a hard time. It's I did you pay did you recognize did you pay attention to that? It, it's our community. That's giving her a hard time. We hold, even even us, people of color, hold her to a higher standard. And as much as we're proud of her, we also are quick to not spare the rod. And so, you know, just listening to the comments from our own community, they were saying, look, at this point, Everybody in the black community know about marijuana. Everybody know that you know at this point and at this level that if you smoke it, you will get you know that you're not it, you're not supposed to. It's against the rules, like they say. But it's us that's doing a lot of the commenting here, and they have a point. There is a level of responsibility that she must own in knowing that even you know we're not even at that level of performance and yet we 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 know that we're going to be held to a higher scrutiny so is, is we in marijuana legal in a lot of places yes you know but hey look as federal employees we're not even allowed to indulge so we know this. So if any of us get caught in a drug test using those, you know, um enhancements or 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 natural, you know, substance, that's what I call marijuana, natural substance, depending on where, you know, who manufactured it. <laughs> but if you go to a dispensary or, you know, you go on the street, I don't know. I don't know too much about that, but either way you're held to, to the, the consequences of your actions, you know, you can explain it, you know, and ho- hopefully in this situation she did, she was, you know, experiencing grief. We know marijuana helps with grief. It helps you to sleep better. It helps to relax you. It helps you take, for some people to eat because we know some people do not eat when it comes to grief. I can speak on that because when I lost my son, I didn't feel like eating. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a priority to me. Sleep wasn't a priority. I still suffer from insomnia sometimes, you know? So it is a lot of mentally things that can happen to you. That is sparked by grief alone. So, you know, but I know, and I'm willing to bet her coach, the school policy, the rigorous um, training program she was in that even got her to the level to qualify for the Olympics. I'm sure those rules were made known. In the black community, that's the first thing they go over. Drugs. We are all druggies, <laughs> but that's the first thing they like to talk about, the drug policy. I know they did it with my son when he graduated, when he was playing athletes in high school. I mean, as an athlete in high, football in high school, he had to sign the drug policies. You, they talked about drugs. You go on to college, NCAA has rooms on drugs. So drugs is always one of those things where you're in that, in that life, you're going to be told about. So I'm on a fence.
0: Yeah. You, you made me think about, and I know you, you talk about, um, you know, we started to get on within the black community and what how we, we, we perceive drug use for how other people might put certain labels on us when it comes to drugs. Um, one thing we didn't really, you know, and we don't really have enough time to talk about it is, you know, chemical imbalance in mm-hmm. uh because we we've there may be some elders in the community that are like, put the joint down. Right? There i have heard so many elders saying, You can't pass a drug test. You just get you just stop smoking weed and just pass the drug test to get you this job. And it's like, have you ever thought that they actually might be struggling through addiction right now, like an undiagnosed addiction. Now, I, I do think there's some component of choice in it. However, I think that we definitely need to think about, okay, what level of choice is involved in, this, in drug use for this, this person? Somebody we know that is experiencing a high level of trauma. A high level of stress, a high level of anxiety, a high level of, um, um, post-traumatic stress, like all the things, their, their adverse childhood experiences, right? They, they, uh, they've been physically abused. They've seen someone physically abused. They've been yelled and screamed at. They like all these things, right? It's to just say to a 17 year old. put the joint down like they their brains not even fully developed they're not even fully uh they 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 can't even that can't they're not encouraged by some of their peers and some of the elders to even open up so it's like if i don't have an avenue like i'm i'm smoking this joint or this or I'm I'm talking like old days. I'm smoking this blunt. Oh, we know what that means. I want to smoke this blunt. So I, I think I just say all that to say. I think there's some humanity in it too. Right. And we've tied it back into Shikari. It's like. Not why did she do it or why didn't she do it? But when we talk about trauma informed approach. It's like what what was happening? Right. Her. She was she was performing on the biggest stage of her life. Right. Um, She had just lost one of the, probably the person that she loves and admires the most in her life. Her brain is still developing. Like there's so many things in that it's not just, oh, she just decided to just smoke and that's it. Right. There, there has to be more, more of a consideration from, from my perspective on, uh, and she's a black woman. They have a growing, evolving black woman in America. And it's like, you know.
1: Can we, Can this is so, oh my God. Can we still have others that we haven't gotten to as well? There's so many topics. This is something we should just continue a part two on next week. Because yeah. this is really powerful. And, you know, I really, you know, we have a couple of comments, but. Next week, I really want to engage our viewers in this discussion as well, because this is very powerful. When we, when we in our community are known by athletics, we we really do need to um, we really do need to really look at this a little a little closer and think about, you know, how do money play in all of this fame, fortune, um, status. And, and, and why is it when they report situations, we don't, we don't focus on the mental health piece of it. Like why? And then what are they doing about it? Are they getting help? You know, I don't know what Jacari did. I don't know if she went to counseling or if they reported that, you know, She decided to take these steps to address these issues. Is it really a one-time situation? You know what I'm saying? Is this something that, you know, the way the media tells the story, it seems like this is what she does. And that's not true. It could be an isolated situation. Like, so I don't know. I think I would love for us to continue this discussion. I know we ran out of time. But it's such an important topic, especially, you know, in the summer months with the Olympics coming, with, um, you know, we just came, got out of the, uh, I think now they're getting ready to choose or did they not choose already, or, or camp started where they're cutting, you know, uh, on the football team. Mentally, what does that do to you when you're cut, you know, after putting in all your heart sweat? Some of these people went to D1 schools just to play in the NFL. And you know, we got the NBA draft coming soon. So I would like, I think this is more than an hour topic, Julius. What do you think?
0: I agree. Part two for sure next week. So um let's make sure we get our, our folks a shout out. We had um Juan Hood was sharing some different things, so check that out. And, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce your name, Yvonne or Yvonne. Uh, we are in this together. Respect and appreciate the support they bring to the community. All work is needed. We are the village. Each one of us are blessed with gifts. No one should be pressed to give. It should come from your heart to be a part of change. I thank everyone for the support and contribution to invest in our communities. Thank it's you.
1: John John said something too.
0: Oh yeah. He, uh, our, our producer put in a, a, a question and we talked about it a little bit earlier, do you think this monetization opportunity adds to the potential mental health challenges for college athletes? I think this is a perfect, um, uh, wrap up thing to kind of, to, to, to t- hit on. I think the answer to that question is yes, right now. Because we talk about, we, we know it's more than this in, in, in the Black community. We know we are scientists, engineers, entrepreneurs, architects, lawyers, doctors, construction workers, account. I mean, we, we know that that's who we are. Uh, mothers, fathers, coaches, mentors. But that age-old narrative of, 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 of play ball or be an entertainer, be a musician, like that's, those are, are, are kind of the age old narratives being, a, you know, I, 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 was never good as I, I was always the slowest, <laughs> the weakest, like I was not the athletic person. I was the person that was like, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'll am i be at the library. Y'all go to the gym, I'm going to the library, <laughs> but. I, could, I I know for me, though, even from an academic standpoint, I'm like, I need to get this degree so I can make this money so I can help my family in their situation. Like that was just the way that I thought. So you replace it with academics, you replace it with athletics, you still young people, I think, carry that weight, especially if your family is in a position where, you know, they're, you're, they're struggling or you you, you, you know, so you want to like rate that. For your family, you like take on that responsibility. Even when you, if your caregivers or grandma or parents don't ask you to, you may like feel that obligation. You, know,
1: I, it. you feel it. I got to give my people out they, They're giving you everything, they're pouring it all in you. They encourage you. They got expectations. They're giving you the extra money for the extra things you need. They're bringing in all their resources because you got to be the one to make it out. You got to be the one, you know what I'm saying? So when you have that expectations, you can't fail the family. Mm.
0: So, you all to me, I think a, a fi- my final comment would be elders, coaches, teachers, parents. If you are in touch with or, or, or close to a black, a young black athlete. And they they have promise and they have potential. If you can, try not to put the weight of the world on their shoulders. On a on a, I mean, you see you see it happening in like, Pee Wee leagues. It's like, oh, look at he's he's nine, but he's he got an arm. He got an arm. Can't wait till he like nine, <laughs> right. right? Nine years old. And you're talking about. What, what division one college he's going to go to, uh-huh. right? And so, as much as this monetization piece can 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 help us climb up, can have more economic mobility, let's not let's not start pimping our kids, right? You know, letting I I don't want to see that. I think that's
1: unacceptable. No, well, Judith, that's great. I, I I'm not going to add to that. I think what you said was was just awesome. I, I think this just needs to be a part two. And we will have a part two next week. And this was a great show, you know, definitely eye-opener. And I next week I do want to touch more on the expectations of our children because you know these, you know, the tennis athletes, you know, as we seen here started when they can barely hold a rack. So it's that whole expectation pressure starting from, you know, ankle biters, what they call them in football, but from, you know, young, very young, two and three, it, what a toddler, toddler age is real. And so we're in, and you're talking about at a time when there are sponges, you know, so that means mentally. They're in the prime of their developing who they are mental and their own mental health. So let's talk about that next week. Um, we're way over time, but we gotta go. Man, this was awesome. See you guys next week. Join us, bring your friends, you know. Um, tell them to sign on and let's talk about this. Because I, I will say, and I promise you, everyone out there has or knows someone who child had to perform at a higher level um, than than I guess their peers in order to get that carrot that is always dangling in front of them. Football, basketball, uh, tennis, soccer, you name it. You know, at some point, golf, golf is a big thing now too, at some point, you know, as parents, we think about our children playing sports and how good they can be. It's a natural thing to think about. But the question is, some parents just think about it and kids obviously are not <laughs> talented or gifted. But if they show just a little bit, oh, the parents are off. They are running with their horses, trying to see what they can do to be able to, Get their child to that next level of high volume performance. Mm. I love you guys, Julius! Incredible show, man! Again, happy birthday all week. We week this is your birthday all week. It's <laughs> all year. When you get to forty, you can add some more. You know, add another week, you no know, month maybe. But when you get to fifty, Julius, all year, all year. Love you much. Love you, God. Thank you.
0: See y'all.